Hey, what's up, guys? New episode of Eastman's Elevated here. So this week on the podcast, I have on Swagger's own Josh Kinzer. So um, Swagger is just a great company, and they're also the sponsor for today's show. Um, they're just building these these next level bipods, and we'll get into it more in the podcast. But I'm just so impressed by these things, and and Josh is just a, a great guy. Um, I met him through the podcast. Uh, he lives out of Texas and does a bunch of adventures around his home state of Texas, as well as traveling out west. Uh, he does a really good job of getting his family out there and, and introducing his daughters into hunting and, and a really good job of explaining the Swagger Bipod and the benefits of it. So we have a really good authentic conversation on here that, that goes all the way from from uh, scorpions his daughter is playing with by accident uh, to hunting adventures uh, to, to talking about the bipods and, and everything in between. Uh, we also, on today's recording, uh, Scott Reekers from Eastman sits in. So there's three of us. Um, so you guys will enjoy that. Uh, over there at Eastman's, we got uh, that promo code still running. So if you guys aren't subscribers to Eastman's Hunting Journal or Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, they're just a great next-level Western hunting magazine. The I believe the best magazine out there. Um, us staff writers just pour our heart and soul into each article we write, trying to give next-level public land tactics that, that'll help you guys out west. Uh, we also have our, our MRS section in there, uh, Members Research Supplement. So they just do a great job of breaking down all the units across the west, and you only get this if you're a member and, and give you statistics, give you uh, drawing odds, give you a, a percentage of successful, just a bunch of information to sort through in there. So um, the promo code is elevated 617 if you punch that in at the Eastman's Hunting Journal website, uh, $20 will get you a subscription for both magazines for the entire year. Uh, then you can also, if you pay for the shipping and handling, they'll throw in a Primos Timberline Elk call for you. Um, so, so a good deal there and, and putting out really good products. Um, so let's get this thing rolling. So Josh Kinzer, uh, we got Scott Reekers, we got me, uh, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm here live with Josh Kinzer from Swagger Bipods, and I'm also here with Scott Reekers from Eastman. So, guys, how's it going today? Going great. It's going pretty good. Going uh, going like crazy here, trying to get everything done. Get ready for get ready for the fall and all our preparations for everything else we have going on. Man, that's it. We're all keeping so busy. It just seems like it's that new day and age where you're just always on the go. It's, yeah, so between social media and email. Um, it's funny, I actually got a book about managing email and, and not letting email control my day, but I haven't haven't succeeded yet. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. That phone's always beeping and buzzing at me, and there's always something to get out and something to do, and my, uh, my email list just gets longer and longer every day. <laughs> and you know what's the funny part about that? I know I am directly responsible for part of that with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> you are. We're blaming you, Scott. <laughs> but well, you know what? I like talking to both of you, so I'll uh, I'll proudly wear that banner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I well I met you, Josh, uh, through Swagger Bipods, um, in and through there, and you have a really neat story how you started Swagger Bipods and why you started it, but. Um, it, it sounds like you do a lot of hunting. You're based out of Texas. Is that where your, your company's based? Uh, well, the company's based out of Grand Island, Nebraska, but, but I'm based out of Texas. I'm just, uh, about 35 miles north of San Antonio here in the hill country. 
Oh, gotcha. So you guys get some good hunting down there, huh? We do. Um, you know, I've got three little girls between the ages of one and a half and six right now. So we've been hunting close to home. And, and my daughter, she's really been going with me. She was like two. Uh, my wife travels a whole lot. And there were times uh, I used to run Purple Heart Ranch. And my daughter, when she was like two years old, was just out there for like 10 days at a time sometimes. And so she kind of grown up uh, in it. And we had a pretty fun season this year. We had um, it, we had a massive acorn drop. And it just it, it became really hard to hunt because um, where we are, we have live oaks. And it's kind of like little pockets of trees. So when the deer are really feeding on acorns in this territory – it's not like a big open canopy like you think of in Wisconsin. The deer are kind of in the blind. They're kind of in that pocket of trees hiding. So you're walking around trying to fight them, you know, find them uh, browsing on acorns. And they're basically sitting there looking through a, a pop-up blind at you. Uh, so it, it's a little bit difficult, but my daughter always likes, you know, getting out and moving around. Um, but the middle one started getting really jealous. So she got to come out on a whole lot of hunts and, um, you know, we got a lot of meat for the freezer. We, we didn't get anything that was, was great to brag about antler wise, but, uh, got several hogs, several does and, and two mature bucks down. And, um, you know, we're sitting on a freezer full of meat right now. Man, good for you. Uh, that's raising them right. Getting those girls out in the outdoors. And I, I like how you're still hunting through the trees for those, those acorns. That sounds like a fun still hunt down and through there trying to sneak up on those things. But those, those whitetails are so smart and have such good instincts. I bet they, they see you before you see them a lot. It, you know, and, and the way it is, I mean, you do have to see them before and it's just hard. There are some high points that we can get up on. Um, but you know, when the deer are on acorns like that, it's, it's tough. It's real tough hunting. And we usually have a, a frost or something that'll stop them. And they, they just kept this year, you know, they say these oaks produce every five years or so, just sort of vomit more acorns. And that happened this year. And, and we were still into December dealing with acorns. So, um, you know, the battle of acorns, and, you know, I know some other people in the country don't know how we have to deal with them but in texas i mean it's you know they're almost the live oaks are like opportunistic cedars they're they're basically a desert tree so when they get rain they're going to throw out as much seed as they possibly can while while they got a chance oh that so you got a capital when you get the rains and it drops down that's when it's the good hunting out there well i know it's exactly the opposite that's when the hunting's really bad oh gotcha, um, but okay. we're, <laughs> we're not going to stop going uh, just cause those deer, they, they, you know, they've got breakfast in bed and, and they don't have to move and, you know, really to kill a deer, you've got to, you've got to kill it between point A and point B, point A being, uh, bedding and point B being either, you know, uh, food or water. And when point A and B change and move to about, you know, 300 yards between each other, it's, it's really tough. Oh, I see. They're living in the cover, and they don't have to come out of the cover, so you got to go in there and go hunt them. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's fun, and, you know, we, we rattle a lot, too, so uh, that's always fun, and the girls love that. Oh, yeah, I bet that's exciting. And you were telling me, we were talking earlier, and it sounds like uh, your oldest girl got her first harvest this past year? 
She did. She she really she's been ready to hunt for a long time. But the thing that throws her off is the eye relief on the scope. You know, and and all the the kids muffs that you you know the, the hearing muffs you put over them when she would lay down on the stock, it, she just would get lost in that eye relief back and forth. And um, so you know, I've got a buddy at Sig, and and I had gotten one of those Sig Echo Thermal ones, uh, and. You know, my daughter was looking at it, and she's like, why can't we just use this during the day? I thought, that's a pretty good idea, you know, because it's got a screen on it, and I can sit behind her and look at where she's aiming and whatnot. And um, So we went down this March during her kindergarten spring break, and, and she got her first hog. Um, I think I blacked out. <laughs> I hardly remember anything after it, you know. Uh, it right there, and she did a great job, and... Um, of course, FaceTime mom and little sister immediately. But <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, good for you guys. That is that's that's awesome uh, to be part of those first experiences and introduce them into hunting like that. That is so neat. And you guys, um, you have her using so that that clear scope that you're talking about, or the clear screen, and then you also had her using uh, your product, the Swagger bipods, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it is something that's really good for, for kids because if you think about, like, my daughter, you know, she can't hold the gun and a, and a pair of shooting sticks at the same time. Uh, then she's going to have to move. And, you know, here we were able to get her set up, um, and she sat there and was able to just track that hog. And we actually had to wait for, for the other hogs to get away, you know, so she had a clear shot. Um, but she was able to do that and do so comfortably without getting fatigued. And... You know, there's just sitting in a little pop-up blind like that. There's not a whole lot of things you can do. Um, you know, and, and not only do you think about the fatigue, but the noise. So, um, you know, she was able to really get on it and, and you know, use a swagger for, for what it's made to do and, you know, succeed. That's where I'm really excited about this. So I've got mine now, and I, I mounted it to uh, my daughter's rifle to start with, and she runs a 7mm08. And it's that same thing. Those kids, you, you know, you don't realize, well, they just don't have that killer instinct yet. They haven't, you know, they can't hold the sticks or they can't hold the rifle, and the rifle's too heavy. They can't freehand. And so I, I'm with you. I think it's a huge advantage for all Western hunters out there, but I think it's going to be great for kids because it's, it's mounted to the rifle, but a lot of these bipods that you get are too short where it's got to be a prone shot or nothing. And, and it, it, you know, the, the landscape just always doesn't always lend itself to a prone shot. And that is always best in what you want to get. But it seems like more times than not, you know, you have to take a kneeling shot or a sitting shot. And, and for those kids, it is, it's tough that coordination and then to find their target through the scope or through the rifle where the swagger just allows you to bend and move where you're aiming because you've got these springs in the leg. And so the legs kind of adjust to you. Um, so you can swing left or swing right without moving all your, all your, all your bipod legs and resetting up. I think that's going to be a huge advantage, Josh. I, I, I know I, when I first got them, you know, the, the prototypes, I was like, whoa, this is, this is amazing because I had been, you know, we almost kind of joke around that we, you know, swagger was invented by frustrated hunters and, you know, when you get out in the field, you have a progression of shots you want to take, you know, prone is the best shot. We know we're going to be 
locked. We're going to be the most solid and steady. But nine times out of ten, the, the field doesn't allow us to do that. And that's why shooting sticks became so popular because, you know, people knew they were going to be seated or kneeling, like you said. And um, and that's almost – we've had a little bit of a marketing problem trying to explain, hey, this is this is not just a bipod like you're, think, you're used to thinking of. It's sort of in between and a shooting stick and a bipod and then all at the same time, both of them. Um, you know, so – being able to go from prone to seated to kneeling that quick and have it attached to your rifle, I think is huge. Uh, I know several people, and I'm, I'm one of them, who's gotten up and not had the second cup of coffee and gone out into the field and gone, man, left my shooting sticks on the truck. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so, you, know, you only need two cups of coffee in the morning, huh? Only two? <laughs> man, I need more than that. I think you, you live know, off coffee, doing. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you may or may not have been with me when uh, we've made some coffee stops recording here at the office. That's so. right. Yep. But I yet- did some bar and chamois hunting in, in New Zealand, and, and the other part was, you know, we're climbing, and my shooting sticks are in my backpack, and when it, it became go time, and it happened so fast, I don't have time to get them out. And, you know, I'm trying to sort of abject uh, create some sort of sort of abstract shooting bench out of my backpack and a rock and um, you know it would have been a whole lot easier to have a swagger on those trips man i've been there yeah and it's such an intelligent design the way they they bend and fold at any angle they adjust heights like you're saying uh it's way better than any bipod out there and it's also better than shooting sticks and shooting sticks are noisy as well as you're trying to carry them and it it's just something else you have to have with you where you know if you had the swagger on your rifle that's all you need and the other thing that i thought was cool when i got it and you guys had this like on the packaging was um so the the kneeling shots the sitting shots uh the prone shots um, there couldn't be a better design for it because you can adjust the legs and they bend for you and you can kind of pull the rifle into you or away from you and there's tension there. But what I really liked on the packaging was, was shooting a standing shot, how you could put those sticks kind of into your hip or into your leg or into your gut right there and all of a sudden you've got a, a rest for a standing shot. And now everybody knows you know, if you're taking a longer shot, it's got to be prone or sitting. But you know, for those shots that are you know, 100 yards and less or 150 yards, you know, you can actually make a really good offhand shot with those sticks where, you know, other bipods, there's no way. They're never long enough, you know, and, and shooting sticks even for that matter. You don't have a six-foot set of shooting sticks, you know. So I thought that was really cool too, Josh. It, it is, and I actually got to um, – I actually shot a buck like that this this year. Um, I was hoping I'd get to, and I know uh, – you know, a guy, Kenneth Lancaster, we work with him. He he got to shoot one out of a tree stand in, in Illinois using that because it came from the wrong side like they usually do. They don't come out where they're told. But uh, my daughter and I, we were set up rattling, facing the draw, and this buck snuck in behind us. And he got close enough to where he, he winded us, and we, we hadn't even seen him yet. You know, we're looking the other way. And I just hear him blow at me and run. And I turn, and he's running up the hill, and... I just turned and I said, maybe I can get him. And I brought the legs back in, hooked him into my belt, and he stopped just to look back. And, I mean, I was as solid as I could be, 125 yards, and dropped him on the side of the hill right there. Um, and, you know, it 
it wasn't the perfect shot, but the situation in the field wasn't going to allow me to have perfection. So, um, you know, it's in combat and, and, and hunting, you, you take the best shot that, that you're afforded in that situation. And, you know, we got it done and got back straps on the grill. Man, good for you. Well, and I like that tip of tucking them in your belt. I hadn't thought about that, but that's going to, um, it's just going to secure those legs into you really well where they've really got a solid place to be. Well, I, I always wear like a, a 5'11, like web belt, which my wife hates. I mean, like <laughs> she freaking hates it. Like she just, <laughs> and it's funny because I actually ran it. I, I, I ran into the guys at 5'11 uh, at NRA and they were sort of pushing these cargo pants and they were saying, these are the first wife approved cargo pants because the cargo pockets were hidden. And I, I just, it, it was funny because that's my wife. She, you know, if we're going to go out somewhere, she just sort of looks down and makes sure I'm not wearing <laughs> cargo pants and, and, and my web, my tactical belt, as she calls it. But anyway, <laughs> that's usually what I have on hunting. And, you know, it, now I can tell her, well, it's, you know, in case I have to take a, a standing shot, I've got to have something to anchor my, my legs into. Off the bike <laughs> right. I've always got to be prepared. You never know when that deer's going to pop out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are shooting deer on dates man that's a, that's a whole new level of intensity in marriage so uh, oh man she uh my wife actually she does hunt um she, she hadn't been able to hunt much we you know with the kids being little but um she she loves hunting and fishing and so we're hoping to get she hadn't gotten a buck in a couple of years so this year we're hoping to get her back out yeah for sure that sounds like a heck of a date night i like that no. We actually took her um, when she was pregnant with uh, with my youngest. We went out for two days. She was eight months pregnant, and we rattled and rattled. And we never did get anything, but I, I got some pretty funny pictures of her eight months pregnant sitting on the ground rattling with an AR in her lap. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, you probably keep, she probably keeps so busy with those three young girls. Well, both of you guys uh, uh, running around. I know a family of three girls will will definitely keep you hopping. But yeah, you have to get her out this year and and get her using that swagger and get her a buck. We're, we're going to do our best. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know I like to get my wife out too um, and just share those experiences in the outdoors. And, and that's where the swagger is really going to be nice too. Like we talk ab- about that killer instinct. It's just going to make it easier for her to get super steady, you know, on an antelope or a deer, or whatever we're hunting um, to be able to set up. And it, it, it makes it easy to set up. It seems like the bipods like already have their angles set on the bipods. And so you're constantly adjusting the leg length and then you're trying to see the buck through the scope or see your animal through the scope. And there's so much adjusting and tinkering that goes into those things that a lot of times you lose the opportunity where I like yours where the angles aren't set where, you know, all of a sudden if, if your scope's too high, I can just take that leg and scoot it out two or three inches and it's going to drop where that rifle's aiming. So it's just going to make it way easier to help, you know, my, my family and, and, and even experienced hunters. It's just going to help them get set up quicker on their target, acquire their target quicker. And, and I think you know, what you're saying, too, it, it, the other point is that, you know, other than the front of the gun, a lot of people just think, hey, am I stable? Well, there's more to being stable in a, in a, in a good shot than just the front of the gun. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people miss deer at 100, 125 yards 
out of a out of a blind, um, out of the prone because of floating elbow. And um, I, I harp on that because you know I used to take out a lot of kids whose dads were killed um, in combat, and a lot of a lot of wounded guys who were injured, and and you know they forget that. But you've got to lock that that elbow down, and it allows you. You know, if you think about it, a conventional bipod, you're, you're kind of that's the. It's almost like a a pivot, and so the rest of your body can become the back end of a gate if you don't lock it down. And so instead of letting the front dictate how you're going to set up, you simply, like you said, spread the legs out, lean back or lean forward to lock the rest of yourself down. Um, you know, and I think I could think of some shooting sticks in a situation where I was where I got set up on the animal. The animal runs up the hill. Well, I don't have time to adjust my legs. And I had to move and get into an awkward position to where now I've let my elbow go floating and and I missed the shot. And, you know, because I was letting that shooting wrist dictate to me how the rest of my body was going to sit. So I didn't have that flexibility. Man, you're so right. Uh so locking that back elbow is such an important part to making a good shot. Now, when I've done it, I've always locked my back elbow. Like if I'm shooting prone, I try to get that elbow on the ground or on my pack so it's solid so my back arm. And with a sitting position, I try to lock it onto my knee. Um, so, so when you're talking about locking it in, is there a different method you use to lock in that your elbow into your body so then you can shoot without having to put your elbow on a pack or something? Well, um, you know, if you think where this gets accentuated is, a, is on a downhill shot. You know, so if you, you're set up on a conventional bipod, and you're laying in the prone, and you've got to shoot downhill, the only way to get that barrel, the only way to get the reticle to go lower is for you to raise the stock of the gun. So now you've got to have the perfect size backpack, jacket, slash rock, whatever you're finding out in the field to do that. Here, you can lean in to the springs and dictate the angle. I know it's tough to, to kind of hear that on the radio and, and think about, you know, what I'm saying, but you just lean in and then your, your elbow is going to, you lock it in however is most comfortable to you. Um, you know, you might bring it up under your chin a little bit, wrap it around the stock in uh, seated kneeling. You know, I always like to make sure my knee is up underneath that, that trigger hand. Um, but I can lean back and forward and find that stable, you know, that really solid state, uh, with, with whatever, whatever happens in the field. If I need to adjust a little bit, I can, you know, because of that flexibility, I can just kind of move back and forth and find the spot that I need to be in. Yeah, that, that uphill and downhill, you're right, leaning those legs. So, yeah, to explain to our audience, like they, the legs just don't go out to the side of the rifle. They also will go forward and back. And so, and, and their tension as you lean forward and back. And so, if you lean those, you know, if you lean that rifle back into you, it feels like you have tension against you, you know, which I, I think is what you're talking about that really solids you up when you got that tension pressing back into you. Um, and then you're, you're locking your elbow 
uh, or locking that back end of the rifle either with your knee supporting that or locked into your body, but everything's really tight to you, and so therefore you got a stable rest out front and you got a stable out back, and then you get super solid. So it'll allow guys to make um, you know better shots, more accurate shots, and have their crosshairs settle better. Uh, and you know that's the, the one of the first tenets of marksmanship is find and maintain a steady rest. And you know this this that's what we want we want to be able to adapt to whatever the terrain is and whatever the situation is because you know you maybe get set up on that one bull that's down in, in the valley and you know a bigger bull comes off over to your left and so. You know, we don't want you to have to go up and readjust legs. You know, you make do in that situation, find the steady shot and take your target down and put your tag on it. Well, and that's the cool thing is it's, um, it's going to save time in that in that crunch moment um, where where you can, like everything swivels off those legs. So even though you're set up, I mean, you can swivel another 20, 30 degrees to your right without ever moving the legs. Like everything will just swivel on there. And so it is, it's going to make acquiring your target easier and faster. And, and it never happens like you want, right? You get set up on a bucket. Like you say, a bigger buck comes over the hill or he comes down rutting a doe and all of a sudden he drops 30 yards and, and comes at you where you've got to readjust and yeah with a with normal shooting sticks or a bipod you're there messing with quick releases and trying to get your legs set and trying to get reset up like a lot of times you're gonna you're gonna lose that that opportunity at that critter where yours is gonna allow you to just swing over or swing down or pull a leg out and go lower and you're gonna be right on so so that's where i really think your your product is gonna excel as is by the just the flexibility that you have with it to be able to acquire your target faster and be on your target better and more of a, a rock solid hold. Absolutely, and, and to track it. I mean, you know, you can track that that target and never take your eye out of the scope. Like we did a little video just showing people, you know, but I got into the prone and did a complete 360 all the way around and never took my eye out of the scope and. Uh, you know, that, I mean, I hope I'm never in a situation where I've got to be in the prone going around 360, you know, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad defensive position, but, uh, you know, it, it, it just showed, Hey, you, we can get to this point, And then when we get to the point where the legs are, have reached their, you know, the, the furthest thing been, you just, you reset, you, you lift up slightly and the legs reset under you. Um, but I, I, I love that because, you know, there's so many times I'm in the field where I'm in my glass and, you know, I'm waiting for animals to clear or the, the right opportunity or, you know, something to come out from the spot behind the rocks or the, the cedar that I saw it go in. And so, you know, I don't want to have to adjust. When that when that animal comes out and I've got the opportunity to take it, I don't want to be fiddling with with an adjustment. You know, I'd rather lean lean in, lean back, split the legs out, breathe, squeeze the trigger. Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, um, like you say, you can track your target. 
And so you can look through that scope, and if he's walking left, you just swing left, looking through your scope the whole time. Where where other you know other applications trying to get a rest, you have to totally pick up and lose track of that animal in your scope and reset every time he moves, every time he moves over. Where where with the swagger, you can just like you say, you can track him all the way across that hillside. If he goes lower, if he goes higher, you just track him the whole time. So once you're set up, you're ready to shoot that animal so um like you say it, it's just gonna make you more efficient with a rifle in your hands and there's nothing wrong to being more efficient <laughs> nothing at all that's what we're all striving for <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and it's it's uh, we we have some people look at it and think that it's heavy and it really isn't i mean it's it's 23 ounces um I, you know i think uh some of the other bipods out there are 17, 18 ounces. I mean, you're talking a few ounces more to, to have that versatility, and, you know, I'll take that any day. Yeah, versatility and height. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, your uh, bipod has quite a bit of height to it where you can shoot the kneeling or sitting uh, real comfortable with what you got. I have one of them on – I got one of those Kimber Mountain Ascents that's – oh, I think it's 4.7 pounds – um, so, I mean, I hardly even notice it on that uh, at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. 23 ounces. You're talking not even quite a, a pound and a half, um, but a pound and a half. Yeah. And with that, with that rifle you're talking about, I mean, that's still a sheep rifle with, with the swagger mounted to it. That's a lightweight rifle. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it's in 30 alt six. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. It, it hurts my feelings, but, um, you know, when I shoot it, it's it's definitely not a, a gun you want to take to the range, but it's what I want in the mountains, and I love carrying that thing around. But good lord, it it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few of those. There are there are a few light rifles where I'm thinking, man, I'll I'll take an extra pound so that my shoulder's not black and blue after two shots. Hey, <laughs> so, uh, when we were filming some stuff in South Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of my camera guys I've worked uh, forever. You know, I used to be the producer of Trophy Hunters TV, but um, and and August is a bigger dude. You know, he played offensive line in college football, and he was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's going to kick that bad. You just you know, you're little and all right, man, he shot it like three times and came back up and was like, Oh, there's no joke. And and my wife chose to shoot the 338 Lapua over that. But you know, the thing is, and I, I don't ever feel the recoil on it when I'm hunting, you know, because I'm just shooting one, hopefully just once. Um, but God, I love having that in the field. Well, and the 30 out six is just such a great caliber too. Um, yeah, and especially in a lightweight rifle like that, yeah, I bet that thing's a shooter. And yeah, it's funny how you never feel the recoil when you're shooting at an animal, even if you had to shoot multiple times. You, you never feel it. It's like it didn't even kick. And I, I, I have this funny story of my daughter, the first deer she harvested. Um, and, and we out here in Montana have to be just a little bit older, so they hunt with us quite a bit, getting experience, and then they can finally pick up a rifle when they're ten years old. Well, my daughter, you know, she only weighs about fifty pounds. And so we get her this rifle that fits her really good with a used stock, um, and it's a 7mm 08 and a, a light kick to it. And so we go out, and we really had to hunt pretty hard for a deer. And finally, you know, maybe six, seven days into it, we find this buck. And and uh, so we get her set up, and, 
And, uh, you know, at the time we, we had shooting sticks or whatever, which was just a pain and it ruined a lot of opportunities for us. But, you know, we had to have a, have a, have a rest on something. And, and this buck was over the grass and so you couldn't see it. So it had to be, you know, a standing shot there. And so I got her set up and she got on the buck and, and made a great shot. She said, can I shoot dad? And I said, yeah, shoot. And, and she shoots and man, that rifle kicked her so hard. It about knocked her over backwards off the, the tripod. And I had to put my arms out to catch her so she didn't go over backwards and and she goes did i hit it and i said yeah you nailed it he said he dropped right there and she was jumping up and down and she looks at me and goes the gun didn't even kick <laughs> and it about knocked her over backwards you know so funny <laughs> but yeah you well, never do and, n- notice the kick you know when you're shooting at an animal and i think you know that brings up a good point with 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 use i found um that the kick is of course one thing but it's really the report that that makes them a little bit more gun shy than, than anything, you know, like I had this thirty thirty that I don't know why, but it was the loudest gun on the face of the earth. And, you know, it didn't kick, but my nephew just in his brain, he thought louder sound meant more kick, but, um, you know, it's, uh, that's why, I, that's why I really like the set. You mentioned the seven all eight and some of those other calibers that, you know, it's not a bad report for kids and not a good kick, but, well, yeah, and, or not and, a bad kick. I meant. Yeah, yeah, not a bad kick for him. Yeah, it it fits her pretty good, and it's tough trying to find the right caliber. And, and out here west too, you wanna you wanna have a rifle that they can use for deer that's got enough knockdown, but also for for elk eventually, you know. And that that seven m eight just just barely it fits the bill really well for the, for the kids. And in the low kick shells for her really help out. Now she can shoot you know the normal shells, and it's not a big deal as she gets a a couple years experience and and some more time on the range and gets, you know, comfortable with the rifle. Uh, but yeah, that first one was so funny about knocked her over backwards. And she looked at me and goes, yeah, it didn't even <laughs> kick. <laughs> so, that was pretty funny, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, oh, yeah. getting those kids familiar with those rifles. And we do, um, a lot of dry fire practice. And I just think this is going to be a huge asset for her having that that swagger. So we're going to start getting used to it for this season, and then we'll do an adventure hunt where we go, you know, for a long weekend, and it'll just be me and her, and and uh, go out and hunt deer. But yeah, I'm really excited for it, and excited for the opportunity to use it. It's really going to help her out. Well, you know, and um, I'm actually going to let my daughter's going to go with me. She's not going to be able to hunt, but we're going to go to the Badlands in South Dakota and hunt, um, in November. And she's, she's pretty pumped up about that. You know, she's seen pictures. Uh, I did a Turkey hunt up there and she just thinks that that, and that talk, she's right. That topography is just amazing. It's so cool. Um, but, uh, that adventure hunt that you're talking about with your daughter, that kind of stuff, it's just so much fun. They think it's such an adventure, you know, it, it is. It is such an adventure for him, and and to get to spend that that really quality adventure time with dad, just it means so much to us dads. But it also means so much to them, and helps kind of shape their life too. So yeah, it's super important. I can't wait. My younger daughter's coming up. So uh, right now we're thirteen and nine. So uh, my youngest daughter gets to hunt next year, and so and she's gonna be a killer. You know, she she started on the rifle a little bit earlier, and and more practice, and gets to kind of follow in the footsteps of her older sister so we're super excited for it and then and then scott you've got you're going to have a new addition coming too right you've got you've got one kid and another one on the way i i didn't even know you guys were expecting but congratulations man that's awesome thanks 
it's it's kind of funny. Uh, my my oldest. This is this sounds weird. I've barely gotten used to the idea of having one, and now I'm saying my oldest because our next one is due in June. But she is she is daddy's girl, like through and through. Like she actually, we haven't gotten to shooting yet, but like we've had all this rain, and I made the mistake of fertilizing our yard before, so I'm mowing every three days now. And so she rides in my backpack and she makes humming noises for the lawnmower um, <laughs> while, we're, while we're, you know, mowing the lawn together. And so I'm, I'm predicting in the future that she will be joining me on a lot of hunts. And so guys, I'm taking notes on how to do this right, especially with, you know, little girls. I'm going to have, I'm going to have two little girls in my house. I never, you know, never expected it to, be that lopsided um so i'm taking notes from both of you on how to um how to do this right and how to have them enjoy the outdoors with me i I think a a key for it is um you know what i've tried to tell people is is when you want them to enjoy that time in the outdoors you kind of got to take yourself out of the equation and Mm -hmm. you know especially when they're younger there were times when you know i could see hattie was just getting frustrated and you know we had a few more minutes of good shooting light but you know it it just was getting to that point where i didn't want her to go over the edge and and remember not having fun but i would say the number one most important thing that solves almost all your problems is the amount of snacks you bring (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, with, with hunting with kids, it's it's crazy. But like, I have, you know, I, in my backpack, I have like a big Tupperware container, and you know, whatever you think you'll need, take ten times that amount. I mean, uh, I uh, those little uh, Tangelo oranges that they can peel, uh, those are great. And but I mean, y- you know, I, I, the amount of calories that my daughter eats on a hunt is insane but that's what keeps her from not you know we're, we're getting less sleep less naps so we got to keep the belly full to, to keep the mood up gotcha man you're well. so right josh i love that you're um <laughs> yeah i mean uh you've never you know if guys could look in my pack when i'm taking my daughter and i've got fruit snacks and goldfish <laughs> and i've got all this stuff that i'd never pack with me but you're right you gotta you gotta have enough for them at all times and i really like your point of taking yourself out of the equation like i get caught going really hard and, and pushing really hard but these you got to kind of structure your hunt around them. And so you can't push them too hard or you'll burn them out. And when I, when I was a kid, I hunted with my uncle and my cousin and then my dad and uh, we hunted Western Washington in the thick brush where you got to go beat brush all day long. And so, you know, our dads would walk us around when we were 10, 11, 12, 13, and you're walking all day long. And, and pretty soon you're not enjoying the hunt for what it is. And and I kind of ate it up and it, it got in my blood where I enjoyed it. But my cousin was the opposite where he quit hunting for a lot of years and just didn't enjoy it and then came back to it. And now he's, he's hunting. Uh, he's going to come out here this year to hunt deer. But um, – um, you're right. You've got to structure those hunts for those kids for their enjoyment, not your enjoyment. You know, and, and if you lose a few minutes of last shooting light because they're ready to go in, then you do that. You make them you make them have a fun experience on their hunt. And so you really have to structure it that way. It seems. You know, and I also really try and 
I was told this this advice, and it's worked great. Is you know, as they get taught, then let them be part of that decision process. So, uh, you know, for instance, like when we're going to go to a tree stand or a blind, you know, I've taught her the wind. I'll show her the wind, and I let her pick where we're going to go hunt. And it, it's kind of funny because you watch her kind of take the burden of the stress of picking the spot, you know. And there's been more than one time when we're, like, on our way out. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want to go there. I, I want to go to, uh, no, I want to go to the apple stand. I want to go to the apple stand. You know, and and I do the same thing. You know, I change my mind all the time about where where to go. But um, she's really enjoyed that. And, and she takes kind of, I think, a little bit more ownership of getting to be part of the decision process of, you know, what we're doing. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. Including them in the thinking process of what you're doing and why you're doing it is a huge part of it. And that's how they learn. But yeah, you can't just have them follow you around and tell them what to do for everything. Like you got to include them in it and say, okay, these are our options. And and by the way, I'm glad I'm not the only one that changes my mind, you know, where I'm going to go all the time. You know, I'm, I'm always second guessing or thinking where I should. But yeah, including them in that, that thinking process of, of where we're going to walk or how we're going to move in on this deer it it engages them in the hunt a lot more and engages their their minds in in the hunting um so i think that's a really important part josh i i know and it's it's where you know you just see them develop a love for it instead of it being just you know something and i what i really look forward to is the day when I can sit her in a tree stand or, you know, I can say, you go do that ridge and I'll go do this one and letting her do all that and take everything she's learned. It'd be sad because I won't be with her, but you know, I do look forward to that day when she can go do all that stuff on her own. Um, you know, but I got to train her for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that'll, um, it, it will be, you know, you won't be right with her, but you will be, you've taught her over all the years and you guys are going to team up in the morning and team up in the evening and, uh, maybe team up on a hump. But yeah, that's, that's like me. I can't wait till she can go on her own and we can kind of split up and meet back and, and you can trust her, you know, and trust that you've given her the right knowledge over the years to go hunt on her own. I, I think that's what we're all striving for. And, and I think, you know, us taking these kids out and showing them the outdoors and, and, and letting them experience fishing and hunting and this you know it's a, it's a way that us dads can connect with them and connect with them all the way throughout their life as they grow older it's going to be something that we all love to do together and something you know that us dads can get really excited about and daughters too you know and and, and sons as well but I, I just think it's a growing relationship that then you're you're both going to have something that you enjoy as they grow older which is really neat and something yeah and go ahead scott um I was, gosh, and it's funny because it's kind of coming full circle now that I've got little girls, but I was a full-time youth pastor for nine years, and then I was doing youth ministry underneath supervision for several years before that. One of the best things I ever read, um, you know, obviously haven't experienced it yet, but it sounds like, you know, this is exactly what you guys are talking about. Is your goal is not to raise your kids so they'll live in your basement. And so you you raise them so that they'll um, they'll go out and be 
be people that society values um, with with solid morals and ethics. And part of that is you're teaching them independence through hunting. And the goal is to see them go off on their own ridge as hard as that is. I mean, it's, you know, it's a struggle for me to watch my daughter run across the room because, you know, several months ago I was carrying her everywhere. And I kind of relish that as, as, as daddy being able to carry her and, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard to give up those phases, but moving to the next one, your, your goal is to see them become independent, functional, um, functional adults. And that's easy to lose that in our, you know, in our selfish mindsets, but I'm, I want to see hunting be a part of my children's growth where they learn that it's something that is teaching them much more valuable life principles or work ethic and, you know, going out on your own and that independence is important. Yeah, and it's going to give them confidence in in all aspects of their life as well. Um, you know, it's like you say, our goal as parents is to to make productive members of society, but you, but you also you want them to have uh, an enjoyable, meaningful life. And I I think hunting teaches this confidence and and uh, self sufficiency, and um, so so I think it's it teaches some really good life lessons. Oops, I think we just dropped with uh, Josh there, Scott. Um, let me see if I can call him back. Our call just dropped, so we'll have okay. to. So, okay, so well, I, let's I pick up. I guess what I was saying is, is just it, it's hard to protect and conserve something that, you know, you, you don't love. And, you know, today we're, we're all in cell phones and TV and, you know, I, I want my daughter to be a protecting the third nation. And, you know, the only way to, to do that is to, to teach them to love and time it. And um, in college one summer, I, I worked at this outdoor camp during the summer, and, you know, it was basically set up. It was right outside of Charlottesville, Virginia, and kids, you know, their parents still have to work. So from, like, 8 to 5, kids could go to this, this camp. And every week, kids would scream and cry and freak out because they were so scared of the woods. Uh, I remember one little boy just terrified he was going to get lost in the woods because he'd never seen it. And when I say the woods, I mean, we're, we're talking, this is right off the highway. There's a the cafeteria is right there. I mean, it's not, but they were so disconnected from the woods or nature that they feared it. Man, and I, and that carries over to all aspects in life, too. And you don't want kids going through life being fearful. And that's where hunting really builds confidence. When you go into the woods with your dad and you learn how to hunt, but then you can do it on your own. And it gives you it gives you self-confidence in who you are for, for all aspects of life, you know. So, yeah, I just think it's a great thing that we share it with these kids. And, and like you say, we just have to structure the hunts for them, make sure they're having fun. And I have a tendency to go really hard. And so... I need to make sure that I really take a step back when I take them and it's about their experience, not my experience or going super hard or killing that giant buck. You know, they're just happy being out there in the woods and learning. And so that's the one the one point that I have to remember for myself when I'm taking them out is showing them a good time. Yeah, and um you know, sorry about the, the disconnected from nature too. I guess it goes the other way. I remember um, you know, I was thinking about my girls like to find bugs and when Hattie, my oldest, she was like two, she was in the kitchen and she was laying on the floor and I came down and she's just kind of talking gibberish and just sort of laying in the floor, like in the kitchen, like, 
what are you doing, honey? She goes, oh, I'm just playing with this baby lobster. I just kind of walked away. I was like, baby lobster? I ran back in there, and yep, it was a scorpion. And uh, she, Oh, my gosh, <laughs> Josh. Wow. You know, it's all reared up with its tail ready to, to sting, and she was just playing with it. And, you know, she found a baby lobster to play with. <laughs> oh, oh that's God. wild. Uh, so you guys got some scorpions down there in Texas then, huh? Oh, man, they're they're bad. I, the worst one, my wife and I were laying in bed one night reading, and one fell through the air conditioning vent in between us right there on our bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is gnarly, Josh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, how high did you jump? <laughs> oh, I you know, it was, it was it, we had to control the panic because, you know, we didn't want to throw it up in the air and then we didn't know where it landed. But it's, I mean, right now they're pretty bad. You know, they're hatching in spring and, um, you know, we find, we find them in the house. I mean, um, the other day the littlest saw one and big sister came in and literally like drug her, like hooked her into this like carry and just drug her out of the room, like in some sort of half chokehold, half you know, firemen carry, and um, so they know the scorpion alarm, but, yeah, they're they're all over the place. That's really cool. You know, saved, Texas, we've, saved your little sister's life. We, <laughs> we have. I mean, there's just a lot of things that can poke and bite you and sting you here. Oh, man, you guys got some snakes down there, too, don't you? Oh, yeah. We've got plenty of, plenty of snakes. Gotcha. Well, it's like wherever you are, there's always different challenges. I know I was out last night. We're in our spring bear season and and uh, just saw a great big grizzly boar chasing a grizzly sow out there. So it's like no matter what place you are, you have to deal deal with something like that, whether it's scorpions and snakes or grizzly bears or whatever it is. There's always challenges out in the woods, but that's that's kind of the good thing, too. You know, it, it puts things in perspective and puts life in perspective and and uh, it, it's good to have those challenges in life, I think. Oh, I agree. I remember when I was in high school, I got to go on this great trip up to the Boundary Waters, uh, you know, Minnesota and Canada right there. And we were just so happy. Oh, it's too cold for snakes and da 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 You know, this is awesome. There's no snakes here. Blah, blah, blah. We jumped in the water and uh, that was, you know, we were up there for two weeks, so we had to bathe and just wash off by jumping in that cold water. And one of the guys came out with a leech on his leg and of course this was right after stand by me came uh out you know with that infamous scene of the, the guy having the, the leech in his underpants and so of course our brains are like oh leeches we didn't get in the water again so we i think we almost wanted our snakes back <laughs> keep yeah. the leeches <laughs> leeches are gross like there's know, there's no two ways about it i would rather deal with snakes and scorpions and leeches yeah those, those leeches are bad well uh uh ticks too you guys got a lot of ticks i know our ticks are bad this spring too where we're finding a few on those i was doing the podcast the other day and thought i felt one on the back of my neck and kind of had a freak out there you know i they don't bother me so much anymore i found enough on me or whatever but uh those things are nasty little creatures too well i actually you bring that up it's that is something that really does concern me. I mean, um, 
you know, Lyme disease, it's, it's amazing how many people that I know now that have Lyme disease. Um, now, we're going to move hunting leases down further, like, into south, south Texas. Um, it won't be that bad there, but where we were in central Texas, I mean, it, it was bad. And um, I had a couple on me, you know, my wife just thinks that's just so gross, but, you know, unfortunately i brought my daughter home with a tick one time which didn't go over well but um we're lucky to have not gotten any of the bad bites um but then you've got this new disease out that ticks are carrying um i believe it's the alpha gal i know my friend's mom got it but essentially it, it changes your body's chemistry to where you're allergic to meat um you know and of course all health aside that would just literally crush me on the inside to be allergic to meat but, um, you know, it, I, it is something that it, it, it's just you spray down, you do everything you can. But, I mean, tick, if you bump into a tree and the tick falls in your shirt and it goes down and it's carrying Lyme disease, I mean, there's not much you can do about it. Man, that's scary. That Lyme disease is bad stuff. And I haven't even heard of that new disease you're wow. describing. Oh, man, uh, that is um... – yeah, that is a scary deal. Uh, gosh, I hate those ticks. Um, but but you know, it's like we can't let this stuff stop us from going in the woods either. There's there's challenges that need to be overcome, or there there's things that out there in nature that can get you. But you can't let the fear control you, where you never go out and enjoy these things because it is a huge part of our life and something that we really enjoy. But uh, yeah, that's a bad deal with those ticks. Well, it sounds like that new lease will be a good deal, if nothing else, uh, a few less bugs. But- there's a whole lot more rattlesnakes down there. So, <laughs> yeah. You're always trading something off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't um, win. I, I don't know. I, I lived in, in Texas while I went to Washington. I don't know that I'll call it live there. I went to school there, and so I spent about half the year while I was doing school. You know how college schedule works out where you get you know, three and a half months for summer, and then you get the month off for Christmas too, so – but going down there and going to friends' places, it was interesting seeing the differences, things that you didn't think of. You know, like, I'd, I'd seen these snake boots at Cabela's, but I'd never had any youth for them <laughs> here in Wyoming. And then I understand, you know, I go down there, and the first time you see a water moccasin, you're like, okay, I get it. You know, like, <laughs> I, I understand why this is, you know, why there's this there. But, you know, it's just just a crazy change, you know, where I had friends come up from, uh, from Texas who came and visited and they went skiing with me or went camping and they're like, man, it's kind of cold here at night. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't stay 85 overnight, you know? So it was kind of, kind of just funny seeing how, how that all worked. The differences. You know, in, the, in the South Texas brush, I mean, it's like a wall of thorns. Like you don't want to walk through it. You know, and yeah. that's why generally there's there's lanes that are cut through at the senderos, you know, um, and I, I really preach in all the ranches that I've managed to try to, like, I preach a front shoulder shot because I don't want to have to track a deer in that. I, yeah. I, I hate it because three weeks later, I'm still going to be oozing out thorns. But the first time when I moved here, uh, you know, I'm from Virginia originally, but my wife was here from here, I was tracking a deer for a guy in South Texas, and that's when I learned that rattlesnakes climb trees. And I'm I'm looking down at a blood trail, and I just look up, 
that thing is slithered around a limb just waiting for something to come under it and drop, I guess. And I was like, all right, front shoulder shots, neck shots, drop that thing right there. No more tracking. You know, um, (laughs) man, I'd be doing the same thing. That's wild. So it was in the limb just waiting right in front of you, but you were looking down as you were tracking. And I've seen several more. They they like to climb up like in a mesquite tree and get on a limb. And, and I guess it's just a hunting method to where they can come off real quick and, you know, hit a rabbit or something that's coming underneath them. I, I don't know, but I don't like it, you know. Yeah, no thanks on that deal. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we have some rattlers where I hunt elk, too, and quite a few of them. And, uh, yeah, those, those things, um, you know, uh, you don't really think about them too much, and you hunt pretty hard, and then all of a sudden you about step on one, and then it kind of gets inside your head where you're looking for them constantly. But, yeah, uh, I don't, I do not like those things. They They make you nervous when you run into a bunch of them, that's for sure. I actually, I, I stepped on a snake with my daughter this year. Um, it wasn't a rattler, but it was, you know, you, I got away from the thinking about it and I'm looking and I can see a young buck chasing and I'm walking, we're walking in the dirt road headed back to the truck and my daughter just started screaming and she was like, a snake's biting you. And I stepped on this like, uh, you know, it was just like a little garter snake or something like that. You know, it was, I don't know, two feet, three feet long and it was just doing its best to try to get away from me, but I had stepped on it, biting, you know, the, the toe of my boot. But, um, you know, it's, I've stepped on a couple. I, I've never stepped on a big rattler, you know, thank goodness. But um, I know guys that have, and you know, they've had snake boots on, luckily. Oh, yeah, and, and I don't wear the snake boots, but I, I have bought a pair of chaps for when I when I get into that thick thick country and we don't have a whole bunch of them but the worst one is um i was hiking up out of a rim out of a spot and i was just about ready to put my foot down and there was one coiled right there and so instantly you jump about three feet in the air and as i'm in the air and coming down i can see she's got all her baby rattlers coiled around her so there's like a hundred landmines there and my foot barely hit the ground and i was up again and just high stepping out of the grass trying to get out of there but that was the closest caller the worst one for me is seeing all those baby rattlers coiled around her oh man those things um yeah i don't like snakes either you know um there's uh, the snake boots is a lot of times eat and you know if you're you're walking around a whole lot it's just tough um and i actually found i think they're called turtle skin or something but they're actually gators and so i can just wear them with my existing boots and that to me helps you know, because it's kind of like snake boots or gators aren't going to do you any good if they're sitting back at camp. Um, so I, I try wearing them a whole lot. They're a lot lighter and, you know, um, I, I like them a lot. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's what I think I'm running too. And so those gators kind of come over top your shoe and kind of protect your shoe as well, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah. Yep. That's a cool deal. I like those too because you're right. They don't do you any good if you're not going to wear them. And my dad has these chaps that 
come up, you know, dang near to his hips or his waist or whatever, and they're so hot, you know, that I'd never wear those things, so I'd end up getting bit because they were back at camp. But I like those ones that are about knee high, and then they come down and cover your boots, and that way you can wear the boots that you're comfortable with. You don't have to wear, you know, a specialized heavy snake boot that doesn't hike as good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good tip. So, um, well, yeah, Josh, I've had a really fun time talking to you. I I really like your product, the Swagger Bipods. Just real quick, like, how did you get the idea for Swagger Bipods? Well, um, it, it wasn't me. I wish I had to come up with the idea, but um, the inventor is a, a gentleman named Tom, and you know, he he's a big coyote hunter, and he's got a couple of disabilities that started hindering him more and more as he got older and just became more restrictive. And, and he was not going to give up predator hunting. So, you know, he started coming up with and tinkering with these ideas of ways that he could still be independent in the outdoors. Um, and, you know, so the prototype, from that to the, you know, what we have today is, is quite a bit different as we, you know, brought in some engineers and some people to, to really help. And, and, and this isn't it either. I mean, we've got a couple of variations and different things that we'll be bringing out in the future. And I mean, I, I, I foresee us having, you know, a whole line of, of shooting products in the next couple of years. Man, how cool. And so uh, where can guys find the Swagger Bipods? Really, I mean, the, the, we've been selling them and shipping them since September. So we, we haven't even been going for a year, but you can find them at a lot of places. Uh, I mean, of course, you can get them online through from us, but you've got places like Optics Planet, Midway. Um, uh, Cabela's will have them in there soon. Uh, I think Brownell's been carrying them since the beginning. Uh, but they are at a lot of individual gun stores. That's been a big piece of our puzzle is they've sold real well. I tell you the interesting thing is it is the gun shops that have them the most are, are all in the Northwest and that matches our web traffic. So I always like to look at web traffic and get kind of nerdy here. But if you look at the States, you know, for the people that come to our website, number one state, Texas and California is number two. I mean, they do it just by sheer volume. But the third and fourth states are Washington and Utah. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, Colorado's not far behind, but, you know, the amount of traffic that comes from Utah and Washington is, I mean, it's it's, it's a lot. And that kind of matches our dealer bases as well out there. Man, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, well, they're starting to catch on out west, and Washington has a big population like California and, and Utah as well. But I think they're gonna uh, go, going to catch on all over out here. So, so guys can look for you in different sporting goods. It looks like you've paired with a bunch of really good companies. And then, if they want to purchase one, they can just go on your your website, and I'm sure they can access you or somebody there that can answer any questions they have and order it directly from your site. Uh, absolutely, and there's there's all kinds of information we've got there, and uh, we created a video page called Shoot with Confidence TV, uh, shoot with shoot with confidence TV dot com that has not only like little hunting short films, but a lot of like product tips and uh, shooting tips, and even some coyote hunts. So 
Uh, if you want to get some more information, you can go walk, actually see it, see it in the, uh, it, go through the motions and see it on hunts. Oh, wow. Um, I watched a few of those super, uh, informative and then really well done. And, and I learned a lot about your product and how to use your product better through watching those. And, and where'd you say people can find that again, Josh? It's a uh, shootwithconfidencetv.com. There's also a link on our website at swaggerbipods.com swagger too. Um, and, um, you know, the same videos are also available on our, uh, YouTube page. And if you have a Roku, I know this is kind of different, but I actually, we have made our own Roku channel. So, um, it's the same shoot with confidence TV, but, uh, you know, Roku is becoming such an easy way to access the stuff I want to watch. And, you know, if you want to go there, you can go check it out there too. For sure. Well, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed talking to you. You sure got a great product out there, and and thanks for the support with with Eastman's and the podcast. We appreciate it, and uh, I can't wait to start putting this thing to good use and and send you some pictures, some photos of some of the animals that we harvest out here. Well, that's that's fantastic. I had a great uh, uh, great time talking to y'all as well, and you know, send us some pictures when your daughter starts getting that uh, the bipod in the field. Oh, I will for sure. Yep. No, we'll take some good photos for you and send them your way. So really nice to meet you, Josh. Um, let's keep in touch, and we'll talk again. Sounds good. Have a good day. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Uh, another episode in the books. Uh, Josh Kinzer and Swagger Bipods. Uh, Josh is just a, a great guy. I've really had a good time getting to know him. And, and then Swagger Bipods is is such a great company, uh, just a huge asset for, for Western hunting. Um, you know, being able to get bench rest accuracy, you know, with, with a bipod that mounts to your gun. So, um, really pumped on trying one of those out this season. I know it's really going to help my family, my daughter, my wife, help them with shooting off a, a stable platform. So, um, go check them out at Swagger Bipods. Um, again, uh, Eastman's is putting on that promo code 20 bucks. will get you both magazines, uh, punch in the, the promo code, uh, elevated 617 on the Eastman's hunting journal website and, uh, should be all good to go and set up from there. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, just busy here, busy with work and busy with training. Running has been going really good. I've been getting in a lot of quality runs day in, day out and shooting's uh, really good. I uh, got those bows tuned up and and uh, ripping and and pretty much ready to go hunt. I leave uh, uh, August fourth for Alaska. Got my plane tickets booked and so psyched to get up there and and start off my season right. And uh, then still got a few tags coming in. Still hoping for a Montana antelope tag with a bow. So that should be a a gimme. I say that, but you never know until you got the tag in your hands and and, and maybe picking up another leftover tag. But I got a really full season plan. So just super stoked. Um, like I say, training's going good. Everything's going good. I'm going out on a training hike this weekend. Um, it's a a big group hike with a bunch of guys where we're going to go do nearly 40 miles in 24 hours of mountain terrain. So that should be some good training. And then I just got to get out for some scouting here. These weekends just keep passing me by and they got the, Oh, the, the Big Sky Shoot, what's that called? The uh, uh, Total Archery Challenge up at Big Sky, Montana. So I really need to make it up there. So I need to make some quality scouting. You know, this weekend is the hike with all the guys and, and should be fun to get to the mountains and sleep. So that's good training in itself. And then the weekend after that, uh, I'm going to make a good three-day uh, into that that spot in Idaho that I'm going to hunt and, and check that out. And then um, from there, Total Archery Challenge, 
maybe one more week into scouting after that. I like to get out for some elk scouting too. So I don't know. I got to really sit down on a calendar and plan out my weekends, but it's pretty much full tilt from now till the end of November, the end of hunting season, and then try to try to get a coos deer hunt on top of that in January. So busy schedule, but this is the fun time of year. So just need to check a couple more of these jobs off my list and, and check out for the, for the woods for a while. So super pumped guys keep putting in the work as always just appreciate all the support, uh, the, the reviews on iTunes, the the downloads and listens and plays on the podcast, subscribing to the podcast, uh, the social media, the Facebook and the Instagram. It's just, it's overwhelming. So uh, I just can't thank you guys enough and just want to keep putting out quality content that, that helps you out West being successful, uh, self-guided public land. Uh, so with that, let's wrap this thing up, call it an episode, and I'll check in with you guys next week.